Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. This episode is actually a Q&A I had at a Positive Coaching Alliance event with the head coach of the Pac-12 football champs and currently the seventh ranked team in the country, head football coach of the Utah Utes, Coach Kyle Whittingham. I just thought it was too good not to share, and you can hear his answers about how he builds a culture and I think defends that culture very well over his tenure at Utah. Enjoy. things we talk a lot at Positive Coaching Alliance is this model of a double goal coach where winning's important but also equally important is teaching life lessons. Absolutely. How does that kind of gel with the culture and what you've built here? Yeah, well, you know, I tell people this quite often, particularly in recruiting meetings, is the short version of my job is to graduate players, win games in that order. And so you talk about having a balance and uh, yeah, we got to win or we're going to get fired. We understand that. But uh, we have got a 100% commitment to academics here. Um, we have been back and forth with Stanford the last decade of who's one and who's two in graduation rate in the conference. We're also in the top 10% in the nation. And so we're very proud of what we're doing here academically. And so, um, you know, we have a great support system here. Our coaches, really the thing that makes it work is our coaches emphasize academics every day. That's something we talk about on a daily basis. Uh, to try to impress upon these young men, some of them will get the chance to play in the NFL. Not a lot, some of them. But if they get their degree, all of them will have a future. That degree is their future. And if they have a chance to play in the NFL, fantastic. You know, one year, five years, ten years, whatever the case may be. But if they have the degree, they're always going to have that future and, and the opportunity to, to be successful. And so uh, when I do a recruiting presentation, which I do quite often to, to uh, recruiting groups, we have four pillars of, of I don't know if you'd say just that we base the program on. Number one, like I said, is academics, graduating players. Number two is teaching life, lef- life lessons along the way. You know, teach, teach them about commitment, accountability, teamwork, discipline, all that stuff, all the stuff that's required to be a part of a team or an organization. And so that is, that is huge with us. We run a very rigorous, demanding program here. We're not, if we have a meeting at 7 a.m., it's not 7 a.m. in 10 seconds, it's 7 a.m. And so we're, we're right, uh, we're very uh, regimented, I guess you could say. And to me, that's the only way that things can function in a, in a successful way, is to be on top of everything, have everything uh, mapped out, you know, not doing anything by the seat of your pants, have a master plan for everything. I can tell you, exactly what we're going to be doing on March 29th of 2028 if you gave me a calendar because I know you know exactly what our routine is and so I think it's very important to be organized and uh, the players feel that and they understand that when you organize they thrive on that players thrive on discipline they thrive on structure at least at this level the third uh, prong is winning you know we can't can't ignore that and so you want to go to a program that you're going to win and so we we have a track record here that's been very good. We transitioned into the Pac-12 11 years ago, 11 or 12 years ago, and uh, we're really starting to get some traction now. We've been to the uh, Pac-12 championship game three of the last four years, won it last year, of course, 
and uh, we're right in the hunt this year. So, so winning games is, a, is also something that has got to be in the equation. And at our level, the fourth thing is prepare these guys for the NFL because that's what we are. We're a development program. We've sent many, many players to the NFL from here, and uh, we feel that that's a big selling point for us, and uh, it's something that re uh, really attracts recruits is our track record of taking – I don't want to say average players, but not the five and four-star guys. Once in a while, the four-star guys. But we take those three-star players and develop them to their maximum potential and help them get an opportunity to play at the next level. So those four things, graduate players, teach life lessons, win games, because football is not really that much fun if you're losing every single week, and have an opportunity to make some money at this. There's not a lot of jobs out there that your first year out of college, you're making four or five million bucks. And so it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good situation if you can get there. So hope that answered that question. Definitely, Pro definitely. Probably more than you wanted to hear. So. No, definitely. It's perfect. You talked a little bit about, you know, the development, whether it's a two-star, no-star, three-star. Mm -hmm. um, you've been one of the longest tenured Division One football coaches here. Tell us, talk to us a little bit about how do we get the most out of kids today? And maybe how has that evolved over the last two decades? How to get the most out of your guys, I think, first of all, and the most important aspect of that is the players have to know that you care about them. They have to know that. they got to believe that. They, if they feel that you're just using them as a means to your end and they're just a commodity and they're just a, a vehicle for you to get that next best job or whatever the case may be, uh, I don't think you're going to be very successful. So I think the players have got to believe that you have their best interest in mind and that you love them. Okay, if you got that, you're 90% of the way there. And there's an old saying that, uh, the, the, you know, the play, you don't, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so that's something that we, we really stress here in this program. This is a player's first program. Every decision I make, we make as a staff, is with the player's best interest in mind. And, and they know that. And you got to back that up with your actions. Uh, some examples. We fly uh, charter jets to our away games. Obviously, we're too far to bus. There's about a uh, 16, 18, maybe 20 seat section, depending on the plane, of first class seats. Okay, those seats don't go to the AD and the president and the coaches. Players sit in those first class seats. Okay, we give the players the first class seat, starting with the seniors, and then the, everyone else sits behind. And so uh, that's one way. Uh, meals, when we have team meals. Players always eat first, coaches eat second. So everything you do, if they see that you care about them and you're putting them first, okay, they're going to lay it on the line for you. They're going to, they're going to, be, they're going to be excited to play and excited to compete. Um, consistency, treating the players consistently. You can't come in one day and be the play, you know, joking around and the player's best friend and the next day be a drill sergeant. You've got, to be, you've got to be even keeled. They've got to know what to expect every day. And I think that is ab absolutely imperative to running a successful program is consistency, and treating your players the same way every day, laying down the expectations. Those expectations don't change, demanding that they meet those expectations, and that's really what it's all about. I mean, you, can't be, you cannot be inconsistent in your approach with players. You can't treat them differently. You've got to treat all players the same. Now, there's a little asterisk to that. You also need to treat players the way they deserve to be treated. If I have a uh, kid that's a freshman that's just been late to this, late to that, and then he asks, hey, can I, you know, uh, can I be excused to go home and see, you know, family, whatever? No, that kid's not going to get the same leeway as a senior that's maybe done things right for four years straight, okay? And now he gets the same question. Okay, yeah, you can because you've earned it. And so I think it's important, and that was a John Wooden thing. You don't treat all players exactly the same. Treat them the way they deserve to be treated.
and at what they've earned. Okay, and that was, you know, I don't know if you guys have studied John Wooden, but that guy was amazing. He had some amazing uh, coaching uh, philosophies and, and the way he did things. And his success record and track record is incredible. So, anyway, there you yeah, go. Another one I'd love to hear is uh, been coaching a long time, played football <clears throat> yeah. a long time as well. Uh, was there a coach or two back in your, your journey that kind of stuck out and just maybe meant a little more to you or Absolutely. pushed you the right way? Absolutely. First of all, I'll start with my father. He was my college coach. Uh, I played college down in Provo. There's a school down in Provo that, that plays football down there. Just kidding. But anyway, uh, I, I got the opportunity to play for him. And he was the absolute best defensive football coach I've ever, ever come across in my life. All the philosophies, techniques, fundamentals, uh, beliefs that we have here defensively came from him. He, he was just a masterful defensive coach. He was a... Uh, coaching the NFL for 15 years, coaching the collegiate level for 15 years. He played in the NFL for 10 years. So, so that's the first thing as far as my defensive background, what I believe in, what I've subscribed to, the techniques again and fundamentals that we still employ to this day were all brought here by him because he used to coach. He was an assistant coach here back in the early 90s. And so that's the first one, all right? As far as shaping me as a head coach, there's three people that really influenced me. Number one, uh, and this is just mainly in chronological order, Lavelle Edwards. I, I got to play for him uh, <coughs> down in Provo as well. Uh, a master of running a program with an even keel, uh, you know, just surrounding himself with great people, letting those people do their job, not trying to micromanage, just being a guy that, that was a stabilizing force and factor for the program. Uh, never too high, never too low. Um, very consistent, um, great communicator, a great motivator. And like I said, the main thing I learned from him is, is delegate. You can't do it all. In, in basketball, baseball, I guess, I don't know, there's some sports where you can do it all. You can't do it all in football. There's too much to it. So you got to rely on your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator, your special teams coordinator, all your assistant coaches, because unlike some sports, you, you've got to have guys that you trust and that you can, you can delegate to and and really uh, let them do their thing. Hire good people and let them coach. Hire good people, let them coach. And when I look for assistant coaches, I always talk about ICE, I-C-E. Intelligence, character, and energy. Those are the three things I look for in assistant coaches. That's at the top of the list. Uh, experience is important, but not as important as those three things. If I got a young, intelligent, high-character, energetic guy that wants to coach, that's more valuable to me than an experienced guy that that uh, maybe is not sharp, uh, maybe he's got some character issues, kind of you know not not doesn't have any juice that type of deal. So so that's something that's uh, very important to me, and and uh, that's what Lavelle surrounded himself with is those type of guys. Uh, secondly, Ron McBride, he's the guy that hired me here at Utah. I got my opportunity to coach uh, at the Division One level from Coach McBride, and from him the takeaway was recruiting, a masterful recruiter. That guy could recruit like nobody had ever been around. He's, he taught me uh, everything from A to Z on how to recruit, how to you know, deal with the parents, uh, the players, the coaches, you know, the high school coaches, all the people, that the process itself, uh, when you're first starting to recruit a kid all the way to the very end and signing day, which is invaluable because in college football, recruiting is 80% of your success or lack thereof, depending on the case. It's all about recruiting the right players into your program. And so uh, Coach McBride, like I said, was uh, as good as anybody I've ever been around in that aspect. Third guy, uh, Urban Meyer. 
when Coach McBride hired me back in 94, if you can believe it, I've been here that long. He got let go in 2002, and the job was open, and I thought I should be considered for that job. I thought that I was right. I mean, it was the right pick. I thought it was, I was ready for it. Uh, I you know, interviewed for it. I went through all the steps, ended up hiring Urban Meyer, and turned out to be the absolute best thing that could have ever happened to me because those two years I was able to spend under him as his coordinator. Fortunately, he retained me when he got the job. I was the only guy he retained off the staff. But you talk about a guy that is a master of organization, uh, detail-oriented, uh, just everything mapped out. And that's why I say if you told me, you know, give me a date in the future, I'll know what we're doing. If that's where I got from him is the ability to run a program on a day-to-day -day basis with nothing left to chance. Everything is, uh, like I said, mapped out and calculated. There is no, there is no, well, we're coming to work today. I don't, what are we going to do today? I don't know. What do you guys want to do? You know, coaches, I mean, it's, it's all very regimen, regimented, disciplined, and uh, leaves nothing to chance. He absolutely left nothing to chance. The most meticulous person I've ever been around in my life. So, so those three guys, <coughs> excuse me, those three guys, Coach Edwards, uh, Coach McBride and Urban, uh, by far, along with my dad, as far as just the X's and O's, have been the biggest influence in my life. Excellent. Um, two more questions, and maybe we'll have time for, for one of the audience. But uh, okay. if I give you a magic wand, and you could wave that thing, and tomorrow morning, youth sports and high school sports has changed for the better, what would you do with that wand to make youth and high school wow. sports better? I think we got a pretty good thing going in here in state, first of all. Okay. I, I, you know, when I got here in 94, as I said, the coaching in the state was so-so. We were having maybe five or six uh, prospects come out of the state per year, and I've just watched that thing grow and develop, and we have some phenomenal coaches in this state right now. Uh, we're upwards of 20, 25 Division I players coming out of the state every year, and so since I've been observing that and going through the, you know, the, the uh, just year by year, it has got nothing but better and better and better, so I think that that we're doing a phenomenal job in that regard. I'm not sure. How are the numbers in youth football? Are they, are they pretty well holding, or are they going down? Or, they're up? That's, that's great to hear, because I know. Awesome. That, that's great to hear, because I know in a lot of areas in the country, that's not the case, particularly in California. The numbers are starting to dwindle so much that they, I don't even know if they're going to have youth football in a few years because of just the numbers. And to me, the key for a youth football coach and the real barometer to determine what kind of job you're doing is how many of the kids you coached come back and play the next year. I think that's so important that you make sure they have a good experience. Okay, There's, you, know, you want to start teaching the life lessons, the discipline, the structure, and that type of thing, but you don't want to turn into Vince Lombardi with an eight-year-old kid. I mean, you gotta, you got to make sure they're enjoying it, having a great time, and unless, like, their parents don't let them play or something the next year, if it's up to them, if they want to play, you, you've, it's mission accomplished. And, and you've made sure they had a good experience and they, they're eager to come back the next year. And so to me, if, you know, if I'm a Little League coach, that's my main objective, along with teaching them things. But make sure the experience get, keeps them hungry for the game and they don't just say, ah, this sucked, I want, I want out. And, you know, there is rare exceptions. You know, some kids' football, is just, they're just not cut out for it. And some moms get nervous and say, well, you know, concussion or whatever, I don't want my, my son involved. But for the other 90%, that's really something that would be important to me as a coach. Uh, teaching fundamentals and techniques, obviously, but again, above all else, a great experience. And so they, they're excited about the game and they want to play the next year. Love it. 
you've got uh, a lot of success, a uh, long resume of uh, accomplishments with, with your team here. But what gives you the most joy of being a coach? What brings you the most joy? Okay, the most joy for me is when we get uh, some of these 17, 18-year-old, I guess we can call them wild onions, guys that are a little bit, a little bit uh, uh, undisciplined, uh, maybe don't have a lot of structure in their life, to see them come in here with, uh, you know, just, just needing, uh, it's almost like a wild stallion, a young stallion, and seeing them leave here four years later with a degree in hand, uh, ready to be a, a contributing member of society, uh, be good fathers, good husbands. Uh, if they get a shot in the NFL, great. But that's the most, by far the most rewarding thing is to see those guys come in in that maturation process and just the thing, you know, you can, and you can almost see it on a daily basis as they start to take hold of the system and the structure and uh, start to understand, yeah, this is what being on a team is all about. This is what I need to do. This is, this is how it works. And so, uh, and we have a, a uh, I don't know, it's called a mantra or a saying, when we recruit people into this program, you will become us. We won't become you. You will become us. And this, the culture here is very strong. And it, it's almost like these young kids get sucked up into the culture and they, they have no choice. They got to become us or they won't survive here. And, and I, that's a real credit to our seniors and juniors, the upperclassmen and the strong culture that we have. And uh, it's a very loving culture and, and family oriented culture but we do things a certain way. We have another saying, the standard is the standard, and you're expected to live up to the standard, and that's not gonna change. The standard won't change, it is what it is, and you are gonna live up to that standard that we have here. And it's, again, it's like breaking a wild stallion. Some of them fight you for a year, some of them fight you for a couple years, some never make it, they just eliminate themselves, they find an exit door, and we talk about that all the time. Uh, college football is very difficult to get into, but there's a lot of exit doors that'll kick you out of it, you know, doing stupid things, and so, and so uh, some of them never quite get it, but our retention rate here is much better than national average, way better. And so uh, have you heard of APR, academic progress rate? That's, yep. that's something that the uh, NC2A uh, is a measuring stick for your program on how you're doing academically with your players and how you're doing retention-wise. And we are always in the top 10, you're 15, like 90 plus up 90, there. Yeah, yeah, way, yeah. way up there. In fact, we led the uh, Pac-12 last year. In, uh, it's a four-year, they do it year by year, and then a four-year rolling aggregate. And in the four-year aggregate, we're number one in the, in the league as far as uh, APR, which, which again, how are your players doing towards progress, towards degree, and how are they doing retention-wise? Do you have people just leaving the program in uh, you know, just a mass exodus? Because you get dinged for points. It's a point system. A thousand is a perfect score. And if you lose a kid to another school, that dings you a point. If a kid's ineligible, that dings you a point. And so we're, I think we were like 990 something last year. And, and for the four years, we're like 988. So anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's really good. But again, it's a process. But if you treat them consistently, they know what their expe expectations are on a daily basis. Those expectations don't change. And you stick to your guns, then nine out of 10 of them will become what you want them to become. So. You got time for one or two from the audience? Sure, let's you go. Guys, uh, yeah, go. You bet. So, what are your favorite books that you've read over the years? Oh, man. Okay, uh, good question. I would say the three football books, just X's and O's, coaching, uh, philosophy style, would be by uh, Bill Belichick, has a book, and I can't remember the title of it. I think you might have two or three, but there's one that is incredible. Um, the Patriot Way, 
that what it's called? It's anyway, it, it's really good. The three Bills is what I, Bill Belichick, okay, Bill Walsh, who was the old 49er coach, his book is phenomenal. Uh, it's got a gold cover. I think he's got a couple books as well, but the gold cover one. Um, could be. I read it like 10 years ago. Once. I got it in my office, I can tell you. Okay, and then uh, Bill Parcells, the, other, the coach uh, for the Giants, and, and he was with a few other teams, but, but uh, he's got a, a book. I think he just has the one book. So, so those are the three best books I've ever read pertaining to football. Just X's and O's, how to run a program, uh, offensive schemes, defensive schemes, it's all-encompassing. And so I uh, really like those. Um, as far as other books, there's you know leadership, good to great. I mean, just probably things that you guys have all read. And uh, I'm 62, so I can't remember. <laughs> I can read a book and say, oh, that's a great book. And it turns out I read it like 10 years before. But, uh, so anyway, there's many good ones out there. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan, but that has nothing to do with, with football. But he's awesome. I read every book that, uh, that he puts out. But anyway, thanks for the question. Yeah. Character, character, and that is a premium. We've turned down hundreds, literally, of really good football players that aren't good people, that just don't fit who we are. And it is such an important aspect to your program to have character kids. Character will take you a long way. It'll take you a long way, and if you combine that with talent, you've really got something special. And so, obviously, you gotta have a certain amount of talent to get to this level, but if you have the character, um, it just it goes so far, and I, you know, we're not perfect, but I seldom have to worry about my phone ringing at two in the morning for the wrong reason, you know, and getting on ESPN for the wrong reasons and all that stuff. So, again, I don't want to jinx this, but but uh, we've got a really good group of kids that that most of the time do things the right way, most of the time. But that's so important to us character, right? And our coaches have better done a deep dive on all the players we recruit and know everything about that kid and know his character and, and his background or uh, we don't go on the kid unless we know all that. So, a couple more, one more, no more, no one, one more, okay. How, how do you keep the attitude that your, your assistants need to have in terms of caring about the kids and whatnot when things are going well during a losing streak or a tough season? Good point. We, well, first of all, we have staff meeting every single day, 7 a.m., and if I see something I think is awry or, or kind of losing traction in that area, we address it. I mean, it's a very transparent meeting and uh, no punches pulled. I mean, it's, it's very uh, uh, out in the open. There's no hidden agendas. We're, we're, and I've got a great group of assistant coaches. There's no egos. They're all pulling in the same direction. But we just make sure, and we call it position control. You've got to have position control. You've got to be able to control your position in college because if your position guys are always on lists and doing this and that, you're failing. And so we make sure that uh, the coaches are pulling in the same direction. Also, if you believe in what you're doing and you're committed to what you're doing, you don't wholesale change when you hit a few bumps in the road. That's the worst thing you can do. If you hit some, hit some uh, tough spots and lose a game or two, you don't just panic and wholesale change. All right? You believe in what you're doing because you've, it's, it's proven and it's worked, and so you stay the course. And I think that's so important to stay the course instead of panicking and trying to you know, just put your finger and, and plug the holes and, you know, just do what you do, keep coaching it, and keep believing in it. I believe. I listened to the press conference with some of your athletes after the game last week, and that was a word that came up from yep. them, your athletes. How do you 
build that belief on a daily basis because you hear it from your players after a game like that and you know it's authentic, you know it's yeah. real. Well, you just got to keep coaching it. What, what you coach and what you demand is pretty much what you're going to get. Now, you got to be careful because you can't demand everything. You got to pick what you, what's important to you, pick what you're going to focus on, academics, uh, belief in each other, loving each other. You, know, there, you can't have 25 different things that are important to you. You, know, you just got to have those three or four or five things, those core beliefs and those core, core things that you believe are paramount to the success of your culture and building that culture and stick with it. And the players, pretty soon, they just understand, here's, here's what the important factors are. And if you don't believe in each other and trust each other, you know, that's, that's not a good thing. So we talk about trust. That's a big word in this program, trust. Okay, one more right here. Sure. Just that's what that's what we get paid to do as coaches is, is make game day adjustments, um, just figure things out on the fly. Because you're right, there's going to be things that the opponent does that was not on tape and you didn't prepare for. A uh, couple guys are going to get injured, and you're, you all of a sudden you're depleted in a position. You got to do a makeshift, uh, you know, just patch the patch the hole. And so I can't. There's so many different ways that that can occur. I, you just got to draw from your experience and and go with your gut and just try to get it fixed. I mean, that's, that's as good an answer as I can give you from that. But that, that happens pretty much every week where we've got to bring them over to the sidelines and say, hey, okay, this wasn't on film, but here's what they're doing. Draw it up for them and show them exactly how we're going to come back.